You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. No days off. No days off. No days off. No days off. This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. With Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This microphone put up a little less fight than the one last night. (laughs) And Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? (laughs) Hannibal. 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 Mr. Dot Commer. On WEEI.com. Second one of the week. This will be a Patriots-centric podcast after we uh, talked about Tom Brady uh, yesterday. So, and I guess there's a lot to get to with the Patriots because it's been a week and the Patriots lost their offensive coordinator. Uh, their director of player personnel, Dave Ziegler, Joshua Daniels, are now in Las Vegas. Then there's also rumors that Ivan Fears will be calling it uh, a career. So there's a, a lot of turnover coming to a Patriots coaching staff that you point out quite often was not very well, uh, didn't have a good season. Yes, and their boss is getting older, and we'll have an example maybe of a sign of his age later in the podcast elsewhere. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously the two big ones are, are Ziegler and McDaniels. Um I think you can actually argue that Ziggler could be a bigger loss, which I think would probably surprise a lot of people. Yeah, but me included. Everything I've heard about the process last offseason, with Ziggler a key part of it, with Bill, with Gro and Patricia and Wolf, the whole consortium, the collaborative effort, whatever you want to call it, was that it was as productive and, and, and effective a group as they felt like they had had in a long time. And they obviously, Bill won executive of the year. They had a free agency. Good job. Spent a lot of money, but you got some return on investment. Not perfect, but you got return on investment. Certainly the draft, we'll see. They may have killed it. They may have had a borderline historic type good draft. We'll see where that goes developing. Um, So anytime you take the I won't say the top dog, the number two out of that mix, because I do think Ziegler was clearly the number two behind mm-hmm. Bill. That's going to create either a void or at least an, a changing dynamic. And I don't know how that's going to play out. The Josh thing, to me, will be huge if they don't get Billy O'Brien. Billy O'Brien is the key piece in that. Yeah, people think that's like a lock. What if he likes that, uh, likes it in Alabama? Or is like, yeah, I'm one more year with Bryce Young away from being a head coach. Why do I want to put a weird stop, move my family, do all that? And the other thing from a Patriots perspective, like, sure, they would like to have him, but like, he's 
still probably has aspirations to be an NFL head coach again. So he could very well just be a one and done. Oh, yes. I mean, that that's another one of those catch 22s. Oh, it's great that he comes in and you seamlessly meld with Mac Jones and he has a great year too. And now we're in the same position again a year from now. And Mac Jones is going to have three offensive coordinators in his first three years. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, there's definitely – it's almost like we – everybody or most people just assume, oh, yeah, Billy O, Billy O, Billy O. Well, you're right. Until he's definitively the guy, he's not definitively the guy. And if he's not the guy, we've seen all – everybody's written the stories. Everybody's speculated. Oh, I like this crazy candidate. I like this crazy candidate or – you know, the simple candidate, Nick Cayley, this is what they do. They promote from within whatever your philosophy on that is. And now more people are also seemingly open to the idea that maybe Bill won't just promote from within. Maybe he won't just do what he's always done. I find that hard to believe. I mean, I do too. Because also, a- what, what, co- what offensive coordinator is going to want to come in knowing that, like, it's still going to be the same system and Bill's system? Well, I mean, Adam Gase is one of the outside names. Like we all go, uh oh, Adam Gase, because many people believe he ruined two quarterbacks in mm. Tannehill and Darnold. Um, now the Darnold one, he still looks ruined. So I don't know how ruined. Right. I Gase to that, blaming Gase for that. I don't know. And Tannehill's so much better. And Tannehill, yeah. I mean, I think Tannehill very much benefited from a two thousand yard rusher that he gets mm-hmm. to hand the ball off to, and the opportunities that opens up. Um, but like. From Gase's perspective, it's a much more grand opportunity probably to rehab his career and his mm-hmm. image. And, and, and I would say an opportunity to meld whatever he believes in with the Patriot and maybe come out with a better scheme for him. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I'm intrigued by that hire. I'm intrigued. And I say hire because who knows what that even means. How long do we wait before we're actually, we know the way the Patriots work for all, we may have to wait until training camp to see who has a headset on. You know, I appreciate that because when you're writing blogs, it gives you something to talk about on a day. It, it appeared Adam Gase had the headset on and was calling plays during the 11 on 11 portion of practice. But I mean, I don't know that they're going to hire quote unquote, an offensive coordinator or we'll know in. Yeah, it could be like the the combine. You see somebody walking around with a Patriots hoodie on. Like, isn't that how he found out uh, one of the guys, uh, Brett Bima was back? Yes. Yes. Yeah. But even then, you don't totally know what the guy's role is or what he's doing or, um, yeah, I mean, the, the maybe, you know, yes, you're right. The combine sometimes is a tell, like if w- this wide receiver says, you know, the Patriots coordinator and he says, a na- you know, Nick Cayley, yeah. the Patriots offensive coordinator, talked to me. And you're like, oh, okay, good to know. Good to know. Right. Thanks. Um, but we may not know. Like most teams, it's very simple. Oh, this is the new offensive coordinator. He'll be calling plays not so much around here no it's more uh wait till july and the media guide comes out in the same thing or maybe not even right i'm not even assuming i'm gonna know then who it is um and you know me i'll trust my eyes more but i don't put past multiple offensive guys having headsets and us not even really being like whose lips are moving and who mac reacts well, wasn't it the uh it was the dolphins last year where they had the two no one knew who was calling the place so till bill Till Bill let the cat out of the bag, which he apparently has a tendency to do these days. <laughs> Again, we'll get more to that later. Um, so, yeah, I think the offensive – and I'm – do you think there's any chance that there is any dramatic um, change to the Patriots' offense? No. None at all? Not even um, 
like I think there might be some more RPOs. Well, I think it's funny because um, O'Brien is seen as a the most likely, but also the most seamless candidate. Mm -hmm. But I also wonder: is there a chance that because of his background, the Alabama thing? Could this be a legitimate opportunity? You have Mac and you're investing in Mac and every decision you make is in the best interest of your quarterback. Mm -hmm. Could this be an opportunity to bring more of Alabama to New England and meld the systems with Billy O and maybe Billy O would actually present the biggest change to the systems? Like in a weird way, like everybody assumes, well, no, he'll run the same offense he ran when he was here in 2010, nine, 11, whatever through there. Whereas maybe because of the unique overlapping of their experiences, maybe he offers the opportunity for a Mac Jones, Alabama Patriots offense. Yeah. I think it would be the, the basis of the offense would be the Patriots offense we've seen for years, but there will be elements more suited for Mac Jones. Than I think we saw this past year. Well, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this, the Patriots offense, the foundation, the terminology, the scheme has stayed the same for 20 years. Hmm. The look of it, the execution, the personnel has varied dramatically from two tight ends, not two tight ends, mm -hmm. Moss Welker, uh, Corey Dillon run heavy. Like there's been different, you know, more screens, less screens, draws, like things of that nature. And that could happen again, but I still think you will always have fundamentally the same offense, fundamentally the idea that so many of our routes are not option routes, but there are reads in there and the leverage. And, you know, if the corner has outside leverage, what's he running here? Does the quarterback see it? Everybody being on the same page, but the RPO thing is huge. I know our guy, Brian Barrett is big on that mm -hmm. um, in terms of what Mac did at Alabama, what he could and should be doing here in new England. I think the RPO thing is funny because I'm not going to pretend like some in our business. I'm not going to pretend that I'm a defensive coordinator or an offensive coordinator. I like football. I feel like I understand football, but not necessarily at the most granular coaching level. Right. Earlier this year, correct me if I'm wrong, RPOs were credited for ruining the uh, Chiefs offense. Uh, yeah. yeah. They were too, quote unquote, RPO heavy, RPO reliant. RP so arguably the best offense or one of the top three to five offenses in football in recent years was ruined by RPOs. And yet all these people in New England are got to get more RPOs, got to get more RPOs. Especially when Mac Jones isn't exactly the most athletically gifted person in the world. Well, even forget that, because I don't know that you have to be. I don't like, you know, the RPO versus the play action pass versus all of that blending together. I just, I don't know. The Patriots offense has been really productive for 20 years. Almost, if you take out, and I know you can't take out, if you take out the Cam Newton year, <laughs> It's basically always been good. Matt Castle, good. Mm -hmm. Mac Jones, good. Like, I don't know why you'd want wholesale changes. Can it improve? Right. Can it modernize? Can it evolve? Sure. Um, so let's go through the candidates. So Billy O'Brien, do we both agree? Best option. Yes. Okay. Top option, Bill, call yeah. him, pay him, get him here, whatever. Uh, along those lines, do you think there's any issue getting him here? And what I mean by that is this um, – Bella Chicky and no poaching of other teams coaches would he be considered poaching Nick Saban's offensive coordinator no because I think it, I think Saban would view it as a step up like he's not it's a not a lateral move okay and he's been here before it's like well 
he was here before he was there, so he's as much mine as he is yours. Well, I think when when O'Brien originally went to Alabama, I think Saban realized like the ultimate goal for Bill is to get back into the NFL. And the Alabama offensive coordinator job is basically a revolving water. door to the yeah. NFL. Yeah. And that's fine. And he seems comfortable with that. It seems to work for them. Um, I was actually thinking, this is a side note, that I, I maybe Saturday for my radio show, I think I should reach out and get uh, Mike Rodak, who covers Alabama, to maybe talk a little bit about this. And, like, I don't know exactly what offense Billy O'Brien ran at Alabama this year. Did he run Alabama's total offense? Did he add his own wrinkles, Patriot wrinkles? Like, what are they doing down there? So I that's a good idea. I'm going to good idea by me. I'm going to get him on the radio. Um, okay. So Billy O'Brien, top choice, best choice, first choice, give him some money, lure him to new England. Next. Internal. Who? I was going to say internal. No, no, no. Just second best choice. You can't get Billy O'Brien for whatever reason. Shadow Shea. Doesn't excite me. Not gonna lie to you. Doesn't excite doesn't me. excite me either. That's that's my point in this whole thing. Like, if Bill O'Brien doesn't come back to the Patriots, you're screwed. Um, I've also also heard. St- well, first of all, Chad O'Shea left. Chad O'Shea was a one year out with Brian Flores, mm-hmm. who again we'll get to later in this podcast. Um, his career kind of took a step backwards as it was seemingly ascending. Mm-hmm. As he's a longtime coach, I've heard rumblings that he's a weird dude. Um, in various ways behind the scenes which you can be weird and be a good coach I'm not saying that I just don't know if his weirdness would um, affect his status as a candidate for this Um, I guess do you have another name that's like because I think that if Billy O'Brien doesn't work out you need to get somebody that's experienced in the league and knows somewhat of your system well I don't rule out Adam Gase I just don't the the Josh Adam Gase angle that like they like each other that the blah 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 I just don't rule that out there was what what was the what was the little micro story mini like he was the first person that called him when the Dolphins canned him yeah Bill gave some it's a recommendation or something yeah so there's a little bit of smoke there and he has called games he is an NFL he has crazy eyes. We can't run from that. Those He has to own those eyes, following the taco all over the screen like he did at his Jets thing. Um, as much as I hate the idea, I don't hate the idea. It seems, again, he's going to be controlled. I don't, I don't hate it either. Like, I think the experience in the role and calling a game could be valuable. So I don't know if I'm talking myself into Adam Gase being the second best candidate, but I think he might be the second best candidate. I'm not, I wouldn't push back on that. You need, like I said, you need somebody that has some experience. You can't just have some rando in there. And then um, when I say rando, like you can't, I'm no offense to Nick Cayley and Mick Lombardi. You can't have him calling plays for the New England Patriots with Mac Jones as your quarterback. It's, it's, but so I agree on some level. Why, like, how do you know when, the next guy is Josh McDaniels or Steve Belichick is ready or you think he's ready at least because you got to be a first time play caller somewhere. Like you have to get that opportunity. You're not, you, 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 you know, you got to be around and have experience. Like we've seen in those third preseason games, they or fourth preseason game. They always have somebody calling the plays. Like, I don't think uh, Nick Haley or Mick Lombardi ever did that. I don't believe they have, which is definitely, um, 
I mean, it would have been a, a reason to believe they were the candidate if they had that opportunity. Chad O'Shea had that opportunity in New England. Um, but, you know, we've always heard, and I, I talked with Fourier about this, like, oh, the tight end position is, is the position most involved in everything. And the tight end coach has to know the passing game and the running game and blah, 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 blah. Like, so if there's truth to that, if you truly value that idea, I don't, I think he, like, I think he would be more of a candidate than Mick Lombardi, who's not involved with the running game per se. I agree. He's also been, Kaylee's has been around the, the longest seven years, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a huge jump. And I've never necessarily envisioned him as he's ready. He's the guy like he's next. I also just look at it too, is Bill's always going to be more involved in the defense. So you always need to have somebody who's kind of like the, another alpha on offense. But you don't have that. But that's like, what I'm saying. You need to get somebody like Billy O or Adam Gase, somebody that. Oh, but but even Adam Gase, I would argue, because he's coming from the outside, is an outsider. That's a genius line right there. Because Ooh. he's coming from the outside, he's an outsider. But you get like Billy O is coming from the outside, but is not an outsider. He's an insider. He's been here. No, like I would feel more comfortable if I'm Bill Belichick turning my back to the offense and focusing on the defense with O'Brien than I would with Gase, even though Gase... No, I would too. He's a two-time NFL head coach. He's called play, like, theoretically... Right, what about some another name sort of inside the family? Joe Judge. I hate it. Hate he, it. Like, I would match your Joe Judge. I'd say Matt Patricia's a better option than Joe... Joe Judge has never really called an NFL game mm-hmm. on, a, on any level of any side of the ball. He, I know, oh, he had that one year as wide receivers coach. Well, they needed a wide receivers coach. It was a sham. And Troy Brown was helping out. Like, I'm not even sure how that all played out. I also think it was Bill trying to promote Joe judge. Totally. It was a lot like John Harbaugh took over as secondary coach. I think with mm-hmm. the Eagles before he got the Ravens job, he, you know, cause just special teams coaches don't advance, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Yeah. So I think that was part of that. Um, my argument for Patricia is a clearly Bill loves him and thinks he's one of the smartest football men that he's come across. Like, I think that's, I think Bill puts Matt Patricia on a pedestal, whether he should be or not. Fans can debate that all they want. Um, He's called the game from a defensive perspective, but really defense is just mirroring offense. So there's some mental thought process there that theoretically, can you flip it riverside it as they say in football and he becomes the offensive guy. I'm not saying it's ideal and I'm not saying it's inside the box. I'm just saying, Sometime extreme measures, extreme well, circumstances. Bill's not afraid to go outside the box. We've seen that before. Right. And 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 other than O'Brien, to some degree, he's going somehow outside the box to fill this mm-hmm. role. Somehow, some way. The other one that I don't know that people have talked about enough or at all, because I haven't seen is there any chance it's just Bill? Could be. You don't seem uh overly uh sold or passionate enough. It's going to be 70 years old. He's supposedly, you know, heading up the defense. So you're going to ask a 70-year-old guy to head up the defense with his son, then be the offensive coordinator, also be the head coach, and also be the GM. It just seems like a lot on, on, on uh, the guy's plate. Is he the greatest of all time or is he not the greatest of all time? <laughs> I mean, what are we doing? If he was uh, 40 years old, maybe I could see it, but it, it, I, just, I, I just can't see it. Okay. I, I agree with you. I just like the way I think of Patricia under Belichick, like he's smart. He can do everything. He's mm-hmm. 
I mean, Bill would be the same. Like, I think he can coach any position. I think he can, he hasn't done it, but I think he could. Yeah, I think he could too, but he can't do it all at once, my thing. And so, so not so much that he can't do it, but you think him stepping away from the defense would be potentially catastrophic or a net loss? Like he. Yeah, it would be a net loss. Okay. I mean, I suppose it's an option because you could theoretically just say, all right, Matt, you're going to take over what I did with the defense. And I'm going to take the offense, Matt Patricia. I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So, I, I think maybe that should be talked about. I'm not saying it's like the number one option, but it should at least be discussed more than it has. Because you're right. I don't think anybody's brought it up. And wouldn't it be the best way to say? I mean, the other issue is how long Bill's going to be here is a mm-hmm. separate side issue. But wouldn't Bill overseeing the offense? be the best way to groom say nick cayley well, i was gonna say if he really likes nick cayley or even mick lombardi and thinks that he those potentially could be the next guy yeah i think that would be the right thing to do do that for two years and then give the reins over to that right and then even i mean even to the point where maybe he feels like it might not be perfect it might not be ideal but i can guide cayley through the play calling process i'm not even calling plays i'm mm-hmm. just making sure we're sort of using the right because i think play calling is big but also overrated because the play sheet is so broken down what they want to do in every situation that is planned on monday tuesday wednesday that it's not like top of your head what play you're going to run it's it's third and eight which which uh which column on the sheet am i looking to yeah. And I think even less than that, you're like picking from three or four plays for that situation that you've decided or what you want to do. So I feel like maybe, and I don't mean this to be disrespectful, but like Bill holding Nick Cayley's hand through that process might not be the worst case scenario. Again, I don't know what he thinks of Nick Cayley. Maybe he thinks Nick Cayley is forever a position coach has mm-hmm. no future. As a, I, I couldn't tell you. I really couldn't. I just know he, he coaches the position that theoretically should lend itself to a good transition. So should quarterbacks coach. What's, yep. what's that guy's name? Bo, uh, Bo Hardegree or something like that. I can't imagine he's a candidate, but I mean, Josh was a quarterbacks coach and then he's the offensive coordinator. Like those right. things kind of go hand in hand. Um, so any other candidates that we haven't mentioned that you like or don't like? No, because there's not many at all. Have you considered, I know Brian Barrett's big on, um, he wants to talk up the Kevin O'Connell idea who, Kevin O'Connell, first of all, may get a head coaching. I was going to say, he's above that. But he's also, he's an outsider. He's not a Patriot. He was here for a year and then got cut. I would say from from that perspective, why would somebody like Kevin O'Connell want to come to the Patriots knowing that they're not going to be able to like put their total stamp on the offense? Agreed. I don't think he's a candidate at all. I don't even think Bill would consider it. I don't think Kevin would probably consider it. Um, I don't think any of that would happen. So, okay, we've eliminated him. Then the other one, the outside the box, is Brian Hoyer, your backup quarterback. It's not, I mean, it's laughable on some level, but in the NFL where Kellen Moore did it in Dallas and is now a head coaching candidate, Josh McCown has never called anything and is a head coaching candidate. Like backup quarterbacks are becoming coaches. Gary Kubiak is an example back in the day of doing, now he did it the real way. He worked his way up. Now, if, if that would happen, I don't, I think the scenario would be Bill would hold Brian Hoyer's hand for a couple of years. Agreed. Agreed. So, so like Hoyer would come on as probably quarterback's coach. 
and he might have a headset and might be calling some plays. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, now, do you like that better than Kaylee? Who, if I said the two choices in Bill's mind are Hoyer and Kaylee, who are you picking? Brian Hoyer. Me too. Sorry, Nick Kaylee. You're a nice yeah, man. But... I, I, I like Nick. I personally, like when I've talked to him, he seems like a nice guy. He's always been professional, respectful, yes. engaging. Like, yep. I just, I think I would take Brian Hoyer. Um, and one of a, a snippet of that, and this is a, a new age NFL thing too. I've noticed a lot of relationships between quarterbacks and like the Dolphins brought in Charlie Fry because he was mm-hmm. to his guy or mm-hmm. Kellen Moore is Dak's guy. So mm-hmm. we're keeping him like that seems to matter relationship with the quarterback. And we've heard Max say a lot, you know, Brian did this, Hoy did that, Hoy taught me this, Hoy told me to do that, Hoy, 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 Hoy. Well, Hoy, Vey, you might as well make him your offensive coordinator. And I mean, Hoyer seems to be uh, living, he's going to stay in the area. Like he's right. established his roots here. He's not going where. Now, do I think he, do we know he wants to put the time in? No one knows. No idea. No idea. Because I would I say also, probably going from backup quarterback to quarterback's coach, de facto offensive coordinator is probably uh, not exactly less work. And probably a pay cut, correct? uh probably that's what they always say players have asked if you want to coach well why do i want to do that do more work for less money right so i'm thinking maybe he but i also don't know if he has coaching aspirations and and maybe it's an opportunity he couldn't maybe he hasn't thought about it Mm -hmm. but if if bill belichick says listen i need you i want you mac likes you mac wants you or like i think you could be good at this like you have a future in this like right yeah yeah it'd be worth a try uh, I want to ask get your thoughts on McDaniels going to the Raiders. Do you think it was a good fit? Um, I'm a little, t- I think it's a mid-level opportunity, mid-level. I wouldn't say. He's been so selective. So. Well, and what did he say? Like, I've been very selective, maybe to a fall. Mm-hmm. Yep. If I was going to leave, it was going to be someplace special. And I found yep. that in Vegas. Yep. I don't know if I really buy that. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Um he has a quarterback who's good. He seems committed to Derek Carr. He does, but you have to. I think that's one lesson he learned in Denver. Make sure you see at least seem committed to your quarterback. You don't have to be, but yeah. seem committed. So I do think that the the working relationship with Ziggler um, Very important. should be good. Like, you never know. I mean, you can work. People always say business is different, mm-hmm. like not in football, but you hear these stories like best friends start a company and it ruins their relationship because business is different than personal. Um, so we'll see, but in, on paper, it, it should work with Ziegler. And I do think Josh made a comment about like, he was almost in, he saw the stadium and like was awed by it. I think Vegas is going to be a draw for talent, for guys wanting to play there for like off field business opportunities with gambling and different things of that nature. So I do think Vegas, like people think of Mark Davis and the Raiders as maybe an underfinanced team. I think the Raiders are going to become a big money team, like a like power. Well, I also like there were the uh, I forget where this even came from. There were the second most expensive ticket in all of football last year. Right, and so I think getting in on sort of the ground level of the new Raiders, the 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 Raiders are not fledgling in the the o.co coliseum to make money or any no 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 this is a big market team now with big financial i think josh likes that i do too oh i do too i most definitely do so on that level i think it's interesting 
And if you look at personnel, he's got a good running back. He's got his slot receiver. He's got a good tight end. His tight end he run the same offense he ran with uh, Edelman and Gronk, basically. Right. So good, good running back. But what all? It all goes back to Carr. Is Carr your guy? Can Carr be your guy? And he, he maybe he can be. I mean, maybe he can be a top five. Everybody says he was an MVP candidate till he broke his leg a couple of years ago. And all like, if he's that, but the one problem is you're going to have to make a decision because he's in the last year of his contract. I also wouldn't ever rule out because he's in his last year of his contract. I would never rule out a trade. Like I don't. And like, if you could trade him for Deshaun Watson, if you could trade him for Aaron Rodgers, if you could trade him for Russell Wilson, which, or do you think it's because I don't I don't think Josh would ever like go through the draft and try to rebuild like I don't they're not their team's not in a position to do that I don't think I I don't think in an obvious sense he like I don't think that would be the main objective mm-hmm. like if he can do it and you you know you draft a Davis Mills and you do car for and then you realize this guy's good whatever mm-hmm. but no like remember Josh wanted the Packers job badly a couple of years ago maybe. Maybe he has an Aaron Rodgers infatuation and he wants Aaron Rodgers for a few years and could make that work. I don't know. Cause there's always been rumors that Aaron Rodgers wants to be out West. I just think as much as I, he can sound like he loves Carr, I do not rule out Josh McDaniels and the Raiders being a player in this big QB carousel type thing. Do you think, uh, I think you could win with Carr. Um, well, I did want to like, I kind of chuckled that, Ziggler, there was like a line I read from somebody like Ziggler and McDaniels will now try to uh, turn things around and, but they made the playoffs. They were a 10 and seven team. Correct me if I'm wrong. The Patriots were a 10 and seven team. Like I actually thought that when I wrote, when I was writing the Raiders record and I was like, wait a minute. So were the Patriots. (laughs) Yeah. And like, there's, you could argue maybe some of their talent is better than the Patriots in certain areas. And Um, and, no question. Offense. Right. So that's where it's a challenge because he faces that a some people in the locker room liked um Bisaccia, yeah clearly that's come out that's been reported mm-hmm. and it's like patricia when he went to detroit they had just like you need to not just make the playoffs you need to win you need to mm-hmm. go deep in the play and obviously there's the factor of you play in what could be one of the tougher divisions in football for the foreseeable future so it's not a slam dunk it is not a like but, I thought Jacksonville would be like a slam dunk. You have a young quarterback and it was a, it was an absolute poop show with urban Meyer. So just don't be a disgrace. And you already have a step up on the last guy. That's not the case with the Raiders. You, you have to win in Las Vegas. But I think that he looks at it as it being the right fit as I think for whatever you want to say about Mark Davis, he's a loyal guy. He's going to stick to his, his coaches. He's probably going to maybe give you more of the benefit of the doubt than other places. So I think he looks at that being more stable than another franchise and also the money. I'm sure Mark Davis paid him a lot of money. Yeah, I am too. And, and this, the money brings stability for the future. Like, you know, you're not going to be cutting costs because the owner doesn't have any money and there's no right. money in the market or whatever. Um, I did want to ask you a question about, because the way I read it and the way people took it, do you believe that Josh McDaniels actually said to Mark Davis, no. it was a fumble? No, it was a joke. Okay, like everybody wrote it almost like quoting Josh, even though Josh didn't say anything. I know. Okay, that's, so that, you, that's, that's the age we live in. Okay, because like it, it's not a terrible line by Mark Davis to like try to bring this guy into Raider Nation. Right. But like 
I don't think Josh said that. I, and the way he said it, like the first thing he said him walking down the hall, like yeah. I, don't, I don't think. I actually think Davis did a good job portraying it as a joke. I thought so too. But I feel like everybody took it dead serious. Josh McDaniel said this. Yeah. Okay, so you and I are aligned on that. Yeah. Good, good. I don't know if we're right, but at least we're aligned in the way we write. I, I just, it just seems odd how like that how that would play out if it wasn't a joke. Yeah. I. I okay. So we're, hire so we're, me. I'm with you. I'm on your side. Like, yeah, like I didn't. Okay. So we, we kind of read that the same way. Good, good. Um, but yeah, I, I it's going to be interesting to, I'm rooting for Josh. I like Josh. I've always like, I'd like to see him do well. I thought he looked fine. Some people were mocking his haircut. I thought, I know you said you thought he felt a little nervous. Definitely I, nervous. Definitely nervous. Uh, so, and, and why wouldn't you be like, I, I yeah, no, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. You're, you're, you're a second head coach. Like you're with the, a marquee franchise of the Raiders I'm sure like there there's some pressure in that so yeah I don't I don't blame him at all for being nervous um but I, I thought overall both those guys handled the press conference pretty well yeah yeah I mean I don't know Ziggler very well I didn't really cross paths with him much mm-hmm. he um he's got the look of a hardo like he definitely has the look of a new age um young gun hardo to him I don't know if he is that or isn't that um, I've had some people tell me he's really nice and whatever and normal. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see what he does. Cause he's like, they've had some really, uh, bad controversial draft picks, bad yep. things happen to draft picks. They have to walk that fine line. Well, Cause now. they also mentioned a lot, like, uh, we're drafting like people we're team people with community. Like there was a lot of more of not just football stuff that it seems like is now a priority uh, with that franchise. And I think it has to be. Because not just what has happened with Ruggs and Arnett and these other guys where, you know, the, the Vegas life and the Vegas world, but you also are in Vegas. Like you're in a place where most people go there for the weekend, do shady stuff and then go home. There's a reason that the slogan for the city was what stays happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Right. But the problem is you live there 365 with your team. So what happens in Vegas is always happening in Vegas for your players. Right. So I do think, you know, the maturity and, um, you know, we saw it here with Aaron Hernandez, like sometimes those things can pull you in a certain direction. And he was too close to Connecticut and too close to his, mm-hmm. his boyhood boys or whatever. And I know teams take that in very much into account. And I think the rate and anytime you limit yourself, I think that makes your job harder. If you eliminate X number of red flags. Yeah. If I were in Green Bay, I'd draft this guy, but because we're in Vegas, I can't draft him. That makes your job harder. You're eliminating talent. Like we already know it's a crapshoot. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's a challenge for Ziegler, but I'll be rooting for those guys. I hope they do well. Who replaces Ziegler? Uh, Elliot Wolf. Yeah, I think that's the most, I mean, that's the kind of like the Billy O. It's just like the logical thing. Is he, um, is he out everywhere? I don't, yeah. I, Yes. He was out. He, like, the Bears and, and Vikings hired guys. Okay. I knew they had, but I didn't know if there were any other opportunities for him. Um, but yeah, so I, I would assume Elliot Wolf um, would be the guy that's going to get that promotion. And, and that's good. That's continuity, even though it is changing. And I do think there's a loss with Ziggler. At least you have an in house candidate, unlike an offensive coordinator, as we talked about. Any chance, Matt Patricia? Yes. I think, think there's a chance. Um, I still. I still think Matt is being groomed for the Ernie role, which is 
nondescript all over the place. What do you do here? Everything and nothing. Like I do everything, but it doesn't specifically say anything. So do you think Matt has doesn't have any aspirations to return as an NFL head coach and is fine being Bill's guy? It's a good question. Cause I was thinking of it more from the bill Patriots side, but you're right. If you have this weird role for bill, you're only tied to bill and others would Maybe be just like, the Patriots. I mean, sure. You could, and when bill moves on, you could slide into right. whatever role. Yeah. But, but you don't necessarily have value to other teams. Cause they're like, well, what would I hire you for? Like what, what exactly do you do? We don't know what you do. Right. Well, I and do I, a bunch of things. I do think Matt, this is, I haven't been told this, but it does seem like Matt has a good relationship with the crafts. So that might be what you said. Like, what do you do here? Well, I can outlast Bill. Like I'm, I do X, Y, and Z. I could be a long-term Patriot employee for Jonathan Kraft. Right. Like, I think, I think Matt's um, technological background, modern background, like would appeal to, to Jonathan. Like he's a cutting edge kind of guy. Like yeah. and I know Matt played a key role in them bringing some of their computer systems and scouting systems up to the 21st century or whatever. Like, really like maybe it wouldn't necessarily be Matt takes over for Bill as head coach, but maybe Matt's just the general front office guy that does a bunch of different things can help out the yep. next coach. Yeah. I mean, this is a different podcast topic for the long term, but the power structure is going to be different when Bill's gone. Mm-hmm. Maybe Matt is your president. And then he has a GM and he has a head coach, but he's overseeing them. And like he, that, that wouldn't stun me uh, if it played out that way. Not at all. Quickly. Cause we have to get to other stuff like Matt Patricia's long-term role with the team. Is it, do you give it more likelihood that it's in a front office role or a coaching role? <sighs> That's a great question. I'd say front office. I kind of agree, but front office on field. Right, right. Nick Casario uh, sprinkled in there yeah. where he's on the field doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, but but not like a hands-on coordinator type. Like that. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Probably not, but I'm going to be honest. I'm winging this. I got no freaking idea. <laughs> All right, uh, Brian Flores, Bill Belichick. They're in in the news. Uh, oh, really? Brian, I hadn't noticed. Brian Flores filed a lawsuit against the NFL for racial discrimination. The Rooney Rule not working out. And this all kind of popped up because of some texts from Bill Belichick. Uh, this is a real minor thing before we get into the bigger picture discussion. I, I skimmed slash read the lawsuit. And one thing that opened my eyes a little bit, did you notice that they are suing citing um, a law from 1866? No, I missed that line. It's like uh, something, something, subsection 1981 of law. 1860s and i'm like it's fascinating that basically a text mistake modern technology is leading to a lawsuit in the year 2022 of the biggest sport in the world based on a law that cites like 1866 i found Mm -hmm. that interesting but um so two levels here i personally believe there is some level of racism in the nfl whether it's overt or not whether it's systematic and kind of just fuels itself almost accidentally the numbers are tough to argue in terms of lack of they're impossible to argue right okay so let's accept that now i have some beliefs that while we fixate on the top of the the issue 
the issue is much lower. And, and Flores brings this up in the lawsuit about getting um, coaches that sh- black men, ex players that show an affinity for coaching, show some um, skill in that area at the lowest level, be promoted, be allowed to move up the ranks. And I, I think that's huge. I think that's what's going to feed it eventually that you have all these candidates. Now it's a hugely like this onion's got a lot of layers to it. Like I brought up to you. So Brian Flores didn't get the, the giants job because it was a sham interview because the guy from Buffalo brought his guy with him, which happens Mm -hmm. a lot in football. Brian Flores did get his job in Miami because a black general manager hired him. Like, so that's an interesting, just circumstantial, like how the new bears GM who I think is black or multiracial, whatever hired a white head coach, Matt Eberflus. Like, so there's like these layers here, like that some of it is circumstantial. Like it's a, it's a people business. Every business that works, you leave a company, go to another company that company has an opening. Well, you know who I know from my other job? Let's bring right. him in. Is he black? Is he white? Does that matter? Or is it just your personal relationship with that guy? Um, the Belichick side of this. Uh, so I find mildly alarming. Uh, you know that I have some questions as to whether Bill's getting old. Yeah. This certainly seemed like an old guy who's dang phone. Like this conversation. I said this to my son last night. When I read the texts, this reminds me of conversations I have with my mother via text. And she's 70, whatever, six years old. She's losing it a little bit. Like she gets confused. And the fact that this happened to Bill, um, I find mildly alarming. I think it's I, from a Patriots perspective, is he losing it a little bit? Has he lost a little off his fastball? You could also say he's not a technological guy. He doesn't use phones all the time. So, like, I wouldn't say it's his brain's losing it. Just, like, he's not up with the times in the phone. I don't buy it. I wouldn't be alarmed. I, I I'm just, alarmed. It's just a sign of him being close to 70 years old. Like you said, 70-year-old people do that. Yeah, and you know what they do to 70-year-old people? They take their driver's license away because they sh- you, as a, you clip one mailbox and you can't drive anymore. Okay, you make a mistake. Like Now, don't get me wrong. I've done this. I've screwed up and thought I was texting the right person. The right, wrong we person. all do it, yeah. Okay. Not to this degree, to this level. I, I, I feel like if I were making a really important text, I would kind of make sure. Because um, it, it is almost comedic the way Flores says, uh, "Are you? Do you think you're texting Brian Dable or Brian Flores?" And Bill's like, oh, "I reread the text. Like that that feeling that Bill must have had when he read that response. That just like, uh oh, like drop in your stomach. I can't even imagine what do you he think did. he uh, called him after that or just let it go. Well, so like, to me, if, if that happened, I would call and say, "Sorry, I really messed up. Like, here's what happened." Yeah, because when this has happened to me, I think you've actually done it with me. And I've done this with other people where it's usually like, I think I'm texting my wife and it's like, yeah, I'll get milk. And you sent it to like, who cares? Like, not a big deal. Yeah. This was a big deal. Like, and I think Bill probably knew it was a big deal right away. Mm -hmm. So, but now Flores is making the rounds. He's been on CNN and CBS. And he has said that he didn't tell Bill that he was using his, and Bill's texts are, front page of the lawsuit when you open the pdf the like the one of the first things you see is bill belichick from bill belichick from the text messages yes so this is like 
foundational. I almost thing. think that I think we talked about this yesterday that Flores had this idea that he was going to sue the league, and these bill text messages were like, boom, this is our evidence. We're, we're all in now. Right. Because Flores's complaint is there's a lot of levels to it. Like he feels the way he was kind of bad mouth leaving um, Miami, Miami is part and of even, it. Even the Denver interview, he didn't think went as well as he or, or they kind of the same thing happened they only interviewed to fulfill the Rooney rule and the funny thing I not funny I don't, I don't mean funny in a ha-ha kind of way but the interesting thing is pretty much everybody who covers or has been around the NFL has talked about the idea that a lot of these interviews are shams that mm-hmm. are these are you know token interviews they need to check off the box that they interviewed a black man a minority candidate or two of them you know the new rules one has to be in person one has to be like and, and everybody just kind of like, huh, that's how it is. Like, it's just the way it is. Now it's the lawsuit. Now it's a class action lawsuit that could change, shake the foundation of the NFL because mm-hmm. they can say it's without merit. It is very much with merit. It's a reality of the league. And everybody knew it for a long period of time. It's almost like concussions. Everybody knew, man, getting his bell rung is not good, but you know, it's what we do. So play it, get your ass out there and play. Right. And then later you're like, oh my God, concussions. Well, you knew this all along. These interviews, everybody knew. There's also the fact that the interviews work for some people. They get their name out there. Like I've said to you, uh, Gerard Mayo should take every interview he can. Even Mm -hmm. if it's fake, use it. Use them the way they're using you. I interviewed with X team. like And and wow people and kick ass and get even Rappaport, whether it's true or not, to go on NFL Network and say, Gerard Mayo blew away the, the Denver Broncos. He blew yep. away the, the Las Vegas. Ra- they may not hire you, but you, and you're learning about the interview process. You're learning about other organizations. So yep. when you do have a team, you know how the Raiders work, the Eagles work, like you have background information. So I would say, use them the way they are using you. Um, what comes from this? I'm not smart enough to know that. I like, this is above my pay grade. Cause the other issue in here, is the accusation allegedly that basically he he was given a bounty to lose games? You hundred thousand dollars, to which I thought, I wish my boss would come to me and say, I need you to do something far easier than your normal job, and I'm going to pay you a lot of extra money for it. Like, aren't we employees? Shouldn't our boss like be able to tell us to do something, and we have to do it either way? <laughs> like, right. And then like the other shady stuff with the. Uh... What was the prominent quarterback, which we now learned is Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. Right. The, I, the best part that, of that is Brady was wanted to go there. Like he, he was pref, preferring Miami, but this kind of derailed it. Like Flores derailed that. Right. And, um, the, and the way it was like presented. So Brady pulled up to this Marine in his yacht and then Flores saw Brady was there and he just left. Yeah. I mean, I got to tell you, he, he certainly is painted as like super high morals. Like, no, that's wrong. I'm out. Like yeah. do the right thing, no matter what kind of guy, which I have a lot of respect for if, if that's real. But my thing with the Brady thing is like, I don't think the dolphins were super bowl ready. I think Brady's career would have petered out in Miami. They have a lot of cap space. Like they could have brought in a lot of guys. Yeah, but could have, and like making it actually work are two different things. Like, I don't think he would have had the storybook year one Super Bowl win in Miami. I don't. No, I don't either, for sure. Now, would have been interesting for us because he's in the division. You play him twice a year. Like, there was certainly some storylines there. Um, but that's a sub-story. 
And I said to you, because the the one thing even Flores jumped to and admitted is he could be blackballing himself. Mm -hmm. He could be limiting his career. And you and I both agreed, probably not. Not only is it kind of potentially, like I think this might appeal to some owners that want to look woke and and whatever, modern, like, oh, I, I'm, I'll hire Brian Flores. A man of that moral integrity is just the kind of guy I want to lead my football team, even though he's suing you too, because every NFL team is part of the lawsuit. Yeah. Um, colleges, we talked about historically black colleges are on the rebound and they're growing and could he get a job in any college? Never mind historically black colleges. Yeah, I think he he he's if he wants to coach again, he'll be able to find a place to coach again. I is agree. It, is it the NFL in two years? Maybe not, but I think it, with time he'll get there. And I said to you, I actually think the bigger hurdle isn't that he's suing the league for racism. I think the bigger hurdle is I tend to be a cynic and think all these billionaires have uh, skeletons in their closet, have things to hide, and the fact that he's airing dirty laundry in a lawsuit with the, you know, the allegedly not wanting to recruit Brady, the paying you to lose games. But just think about how he yeah. feels though about Stephen Ross. Like, cause no. we would all agree. Brian Flores should still be coaching the Miami Dolphins. He did a good enough job to remain a head coach there. Yes. But so like he's he off his boss. It happens. My point is like, what if everybody around the NFL knows Stephen Ross is a really shady guy and they're all like, it's about time he gets the stuff out there. Oh, I think he could lose his team over this. Yeah. I think he definitely, but my point would be, now this is where people will say I'm naive. I think if a white coach had done the exact same things, Stephen Ross would have been pissed and probably would have fired him. I think if a white coach had refused to lose, oh, you just cost me Joe Burrow, and a white coach refu- refused to recruit the greatest star on the planet to my team, who I have an in with because we're Michigan boys, I think that white coach would be using up his lives with his boss. He would be pissing off his boss. Now in the lawsuit, Flores and his attorneys painted as um, basically like the angry black man. I think they actually put it in quote. They do. Yeah. In the, in the lawsuit. I think some of that is, can be left up to, to interpretation. I think if you, if you piss your boss off enough, your boss wants to get rid of you, especially you didn't win the Super Bowl. You had a nice little run. You had a winning record, but you didn't. And there's a lot of people in Miami that believe, the Dolphins were one in seven in large part because of Flores. A lot of people think he did a really poor job at various points. Mm. Um, him being tied to Tua is another separate issue. Maybe he wouldn't be tied to Tua if he, A, could have taken Herbert, but B, he also could have, you know, tanked a little bit and gotten Joe Burrow, whatever, however that could have played out. Um, but I think this is a huge story. It's a, it, like, this is going to rock the NFL for a, an extended period of time. Well, like from a time perspective, the Super Bowl week, this is going to be your front and center story. Not an accident. Especially with uh, two teams that aren't exactly like uh, powerhouses in the NFL. Right. And I said to you, I don't know really what they're looking for. Like, I know there's aspects in there that detail. They want this, they want that. But even those are kind of vague. Like, Mm -hmm. is money going to be involved to him? Or is money, like, could every black coach receive you know how you get these things in the mail for a class action lawsuit? Oh, like right. oh, Whirlpool Dishwashers is being sued and you own a Whirlpool Dishwasher. Do oh, you, you want get, to join? You get $70. Right. Or, or not even. Half the time it's like you get a voucher towards your next Whirlpool worth $70. Yeah. Could every minority coach get part of a settlement? Like, I, I, I don't know how. And also, are we going like, what are the long term changes? You know, 
yeah, is the Rooney rule adjusted? Is it, I mean, they've already started this process with the draft pick compensation. Yeah. How much more does it, is there now, like there does, there does a quota, like does the league say we promise we'll always have, you know, 25% black head coach, like, right. But then to that, like, how's that even necessarily fair? Like if a team, there's only one opening left and you need to fulfill that quota, like, right. I, I, I don't, that's what I mean. I have no idea if the idea was just to open everybody's eyes and make this not like a, like I said, everybody knew, but seemed to not care, make it. No, no, no. Everybody should care. This is like a who me, uh, uh, me too movement. Like all of these movements, a lot of them, people knew what was going on, but covered it up or looked the other way or didn't take it seriously. If the intention here from Flores is just to take it seriously, to like shake, shake the owners by their, $2,000 suit lapel or whatever, then I think it's going to work. But in terms of the actual like technical results settlement, I, I don't really know how that'll work. Uh, Bill has to be upset, right? I would think, but I don't know. I would think yes. A, I don't think he's big on for any reason, his personal information being out there. Yeah. Um, also like... I said this to you, something that struck me. So Bill says, I heard from New York and Buffalo that you're getting the job, but that's when he thought Brian Flores was Brian Dable. Why is Bill um, getting information from Buffalo, like intimate high level information from Buffalo? Yeah, I have no, there's no connection there to be drawn. Like he, he. The Giants is obvious to Mars. Like he's close to them. He probably just wanted to check in like, How's your search going? Like, do I need, do you need any like recommendations? Like whatever. And, and the guy, Dable worked for them. Right. I mean, worked for Bill. And right. so their new GM has a top candidate. His name's Brian Dable. The guy they trust who they recently hired one of his assistants. It didn't work, Joe Judge, but he was involved in that process. It would make sense that they would call Bill and say, Dable, you know, what have you seen? I know he right. worked for Nick. He worked for you, blah, blah, blah. But in Buffalo, does he know the Pagulas? Does he have a relationship with the Pagulas? Does he have a relationship with Bean, the GM, or McDermott, the coat? Like, or is it just Dable? Like, maybe Dable texted him and he's saying, I heard that from Buffalo, like Dable himself. Why would Dable say, why would he need to text Dable? You know what I mean? I don't know. It couldn't have been Dable because he, he would thought he was texting Brian Dable. My point is, and my takeaway is, I think Bill is a much more networked person than we would think for his grumpy public persona. I think he interacts with more people in the NFL on a regular basis. Than more we... so than just NFL head coaches. Like he's oh, yeah, no. I yeah. think GMs, I think owners. owners. I think he has his hand in the NFL cookie jar a lot. Like you could find out, um, I'm trying to think like Chicago, like maybe he was talking to somebody in Chicago about that opening, you know, you know who I like or, or don't like, whatever. I think he's more involved with a lot of these things than we think superficially. Uh, anything else on this story? Um, well, one of the common reactions I've seen is can't wait for the deposition. Like, so Bill will be involved here, right? He has to be. I mean, he's on the front page, so I, like he's going to be deposed. He's going to be interviewed. I suppose. Yeah, you're right. That doesn't seem like a great thing for him. No, doesn't. And, and is there any way he he's not happy about it? Like, I wonder if he can get out of it. Some like if he were to say, is there a way for him to get out of it? Because everything he did is like out there. What's yeah, I don't think he, I want to be clear. I don't think he did anything wrong. No, he didn't. 
he didn't. He did something very wrong, but that's a that's a separate issue. He didn't like. He he has no guilt. No. He has no culpability in any of this. No, he just made a mistake. That right. But anyway, Which, but he he was a mistake that lit the fuse. That exposed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you see? Did you see Marquise Flowers' response? No. No. Um, former Patriot. Uh, I want very I very outspoken, by the way. Yeah. And I, I, that's why I want to make sure I don't just paraphrase. I want to, uh, Marquise, uh, A I Q, Marquise Flowers. He tweets, tweets a lot, so you have to scroll down a little bit. Yeah. He, uh, da, da, da. <sighs> deleted already. NFL. Well, first of all, another one of his tweets, he retweeted uh, Brandon Spikes talking about, I tried to tell my friends and family about the league years ago, shake my head, shit broke my heart when I found out what it was and how it's run. Still sick. I didn't stick with basketball or baseball. So that players are saying like, I, it's a terrible league. Um, but he said uh, NFL slash BFL, I, and then parentheses business greed. I, I don't really understand it. So damn corrupt. Watch how they do Bill Belichick if any wrongdoing is found. He slipped and broke the code. Shall be interesting. Which I don't totally understand, but he's definitely saying like, this is a good old boy's circle network and Bill effed yeah. up and, and like exposed, exposed it. it. Yeah. Like first rule of fight club is you don't acknowledge there's a fight club and Bill acknowledged there's a fight club kind of thing. Um, also, another, another side question. Is Brian Flores as good a coach as everybody makes him out to be in this? Like, there's this whole reaction that, first of all, he thanked God and said he's been privileged to be an elite coach or something, which I'm not sure he is. Um, once, you, once you change quarterbacks more times during games, yeah. I'm sure I've seen elite coaches do that. But everybody's like, in what world is Brian Dable more qualified than Brian Flores? Well, He's had success and held an offensive role and developed a quarterback and done all these things you're looking for he's all over the NFL for like 25 years, I believe. And he's never failed as a head coach. Right. So I don't think it's, it's as obvious to say the white guy who's not qualified got the job over the black guy who was the obviously more qualified candidate. So correct me if I'm wrong, Brian Flores, defensive coach. Yep. Giants may be looking to salvage Daniel Jones. Correct. They took a guy who's roundly considered to have done the best job um, fixing, molding a quarterback of anybody in the NFL. Right? Yeah. So you can argue Brian Dable's more qualified. Yeah, no question. Okay. So, because I, as much as the sham interview happened, if they had already decided that Dable was the guy and they were taking him, for whatever reason, whether he's the best candidate or he's boys with Schoen, mm -hmm. the new GM, the interview's a sham. Like, I don't disagree with Flores on that right. part. Don't tell me Brian Dable's not qualified. Yeah, like, because you're right. From the Giants' perspective, they could have been seeking offense, and they wanted, yeah. they wanted, they prioritized that. So you're right. There is some level of that where it's being portrayed maybe a little more extreme than it should be. Yeah, it, it, it almost feels like Flores is Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time who's black, and they used him in a sham interview, and they hired this green bean rookie coach who – you know, has no, 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 no. Like you can argue Dable was a really good, I've argued the, Dable's the best candidate. 
the Denver thing, like saying that they seemed disinterested and were drinking the night before, like, I don't know. Can you prove that? Um, no, but I will say it from my experiences and stories I've heard, John Elway's almost always drinking the night before. <laughs> <laughs> and then they already just, they already uh, came out against it. Said right. that they have notes to prove it. So it's a lot of like, he said, she said, like, can you well, really prove it? I mean, you don't expect people to say, yep, I'm a racist. Oh, excuse me, we're done. <laughs> like, right. Right. they're going to defend themselves. That's, that's just the way it works. I think he's been involved in sham interviews. I do. I, know. Like, I, I totally, totally agree. I think a lot of guys have, like, maybe Gerard Mayo has. Maybe, like, it just, that's the reality of the way it's set up right now. It is, the system has created these sham interviews, and that's unfortunate. Um, but there's a lot of layers to this too. And I want to start with before oh, Andy said there's no racism in football. Nope. I firmly believe there's racism. I don't think you can possibly argue against the fact that more than one of 32 coaches should be black. I like agree. I'm just, just numbers. There's yeah. just numbers of players and the way it is like, I'm sorry, statistically somehow they're being kept from a role that they should be in. And that needs to be fixed. Another, I think that encompasses the, that whole discussion. So uh, any, uh, Closing thoughts for this podcast. This is another, uh, you probably should listen to this two parts. Well, people like these. That guy who walks his dog for like two hours a day, <laughs> they like these long podcasts. You know, I know people say like the hot spot is like a half hour podcast, but some of our listeners like them a little like bit the long ones. Um, I told you to remind me of something. I know. That's what I was getting at. Oh, oh, okay. So it's Wednesday when we're recording this. Um, every Wednesday, I do mud at night. Every Wednesday night on Mud at Night, we do a draft. So in light of Tom Brady's retirement, we will be drafting on Wednesday night, Tom Brady related, um, his greatest game slash moment. Okay. So if I asked Ryan Hannibal, Tom Brady's greatest game slash moment, things that pop immediately to your mind are? Uh, comeback versus the Seahawks. Yep. I put that on my list. Like, So I create a big board, just yeah. you know, how the sausage is made. We each pick four people. It's sort of like a Mount Rushmore draft, whatever. You each get four. So I go in with at least eight options on my list. I wrote that one down because that's the greatest game I've ever That's the greatest played. game. Yep. Like, so it's the greatest game. He won. He played a key role in it. The Malcolm Butler interception and everything aside. Uh, that. Yeah. Fal Falcons game. Are we doing uh, just strictly football? I don't know what that means, so offer up whatever's on the tip of your oh, tongue. Oh, so anything to flaking, like him in the courtroom, like. Uh, huh. like I don't think so. I don't know. Okay. I, 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 so we, we try to leave these vague so that there's room for creative drafting. Yeah. So, but Deflategate was negative. What was positive about Deflategate? Oh, this was, I, I thought you just meant like memorable moments. Yeah, I guess. I don't know how you could read within it, but all right. Uh, I won't be I drafting that because I think fans would not like it and they'll vote against me. The uh, fourth quarter overtime versus the Chiefs, AFC title game 2018. So far, we are in lockstep. Uh, the uh, Ravens divisional round game where he went at Harbaugh, like that whole comeback. Oh, yeah. That's good because that quote is good. Yep. Yeah. Um, it has to be the, the first Super Bowl, the last drive. Yep. That's on my list, obviously. Even though um, not a great game, not a great no. performance, not like, but that moment in, entwined with Madden saying you should take a knee and then Madden being like, wow, I, that was pretty cool, whatever. Yeah, um, 
Probably his touchdown to Moss to break the record in 07. Okay. Um, I didn't have that one. I don't know that I like that one, but okay, go ahead. How many do I got? Um, I mean, it's, I'm just – I was looking for you to spitball because I'll throw one out there that you haven't mentioned that I think is a story, is in, in, in – the performance also encapsulates Brady, and it was the Jaguars AFC title game coming off the thumb thing. Like yeah. – Okay. You know, and then Bill saying not open heart surgery when yeah. no, but it was open some thumb surgery. His thumb yeah. was hanging out of his body. I, I, and that was also he lost Gronk, if you remember. Yep. So he lost Gronk. He's playing with that weird whatever was going on with his hand, and he gets to the Super Bowl. And following that up, with that injury still a part of his story, he throws for 500 yards in the losing effort. Um, I also had one that I like is the, um, Tennessee snow game if we get into regular games where he threw the five touchdowns in the second quarter mm -hmm. I still think that's just stupid he threw five touchdowns in a quarter in the 59 nothing victory um what else did I this that's probably isn't going to make your list but just one that stands out the him juking Erlacher in that game there's a few of those like juking Erlacher is one um I would also put like the overtime throw in Miami to Troy yeah. Brown yep. um I don't know if they'll make my cut for drafting, but they're in like the. Here's here's just a thing, when you're when everybody's remembering Brady in these moments, is there anyone from Tampa? Well, I think the um, the Scotty Miller throw uh, in Green Bay at the end of the first it was in the second quarter, right? Where yeah. they thought he was going to. Well, my point is like, there's not like he didn't have that memorable play from that Super Bowl or like there's no. nothing that stands out that's like going to be in the Tom Brady reels of him in Tampa. That's like, you have to have this. Well, it's like there, the one this year that gets wiped away, which I give Jalen Ramsey credit for bringing up on Twitter was the throw to Mike Evans, which was a great throw. And yep. Jalen Ramsey's like, damn, I he beat me for his last great throw or something like, um, which I found funny made me actually like Jalen Ramsey. And I don't usually like Jalen Ramsey, uh, but he was also only there for two seasons. Yep. Only one Super Bowl. 10% like, of his NFL career. Oh, I forgot you did all the math. <laughs> what was it like 90 91.9% or something? Like, no, I can do it right now. But yeah. So like he's got nine Super Bowls with the Patriots. So obviously 90.9%. 90.9% of his career in New England. And that got you zero mentions. 0.0. .0 oh, another thing, since you brought up Brady, that kind of goes in line with what I said yesterday about like him being just an idiot and the whole thing playing out. Did you see how many people he replied to in his Instagram story? No. Oh, I, I did actually. Somebody posted all the little dots. It's like it's un, unreal. You know who got a shout out? Marshall Newhouse. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Marshall Newhouse tried to get him killed. <laughs> like just uh, he's he's goes above beyond to acknowledge all these people in his Instagram store. We can't put the Patriots in, in the statement. Come on. Yeah, I'll tell a little follow up story to that. I don't think she'll mind. I won't use any names other than Brady. Um, got a uh series of texts yesterday from a mother on my team who I coach baseball wise. I have two of her kids on my team. The youngest one's name is Brady after Brady. Um, she texted me heated to the point where she's like, I may need to rename my youngest child. I can't believe he didn't mention new England or the us or anything. And, and she knows I've always kind of told her over the years, Brady's not quite the perfect picture that he paints. And she's like, you may have been right all along. I don't know about this guy anymore. And I was like, people are heated. People are heated. And, and I think they deserve to be. Yep. Like, 
it amazes me the cult members, the Brady cult members that have come out to defend him. Like, oh, he already thanked you when he left, and he thanked you this. This is a retirement. It's about his career and his career. How much of it? 90.1% of it? 90.9%. 90.9% of it took place in New England. And he thanked coach, GM, person who opens the door in Tampa with a smile. Mm. He didn't mention ever, anyone in New England. And then people are like, see, you happy now? When he gave like a 12-year word response to a Patriots uh, Instagram post. Oh, oh, that's the same as nine pages? He thanked St. Petersburg. Like, what are we doing? Like, it's okay. He effed up. It, it doesn't mean anything really, but he effed up. I went back and looked at Manning's retirement thing. Yeah. He, it was a press conference, a little bit different, but there is a, a the ESPN story said he called all of his previous coaches to let them know that he was retiring beforehand. And he made sure to mention every single stop along the way, including Tennessee. Right. So you, I don't know how you can argue that he didn't screw this up. Like he porked his retirement. on. That's why people are talking about it because he messed up. Not, not people, you know, come up with ideas in their own him, Tom Brady. He messed up. Schefter did his job. Tom Brady messed up. Yes. Like I would like to summarize the last four days in that way. And that's fine. I still think they'll have Tom Brady day. I still think the greatest quarterback of all time. He's still unbelievable. That's not going to change. But for you can talk about his greatness for for years, but for the time being and his retirement, he messed up. And I even joked, but I think there's a little truth to it. It's probably appropriate that the guy that looks like he should never retire isn't good at retiring. Like, because he's even his own words, like he's retiring because you've got to be all you're either all in or all out. Maybe he's not really all into retirement and that's affecting the execution of the retirement. I don't know, but he screwed up. And anybody that argues again, doesn't matter. You, I told you yesterday, I want Tom Brady Day on his birthday in August, a standalone event at Gillette Stadium, 68,000 people ticketed. I want Peyton Manning on a platform with Tom Brady in the middle of the field. I want the whole damn thing. I think it'll be effing awesome. I think the ticket will be worth thousands of dollars on the black market, all of it. But he screwed up his retirement. That's the reality. Uh, anything else? In this, this, we got off on a Tom Brady tangent. Well, yeah, we did it yesterday, but then... I don't know. It popped up again. No, I, that's uh, you, you helped me out. You gave me a few more ideas that Ravens one. I really like be, in conjunction with the quote, the yeah. Ravens game, plus him saying, maybe he should study the rule book yes. His classic um, along those lines. I would also, I don't, it doesn't make the cut, but when he told uh, Marty Schottenheimer to worry about his own team in the midst of um, the spy gate and yep. then the Patriots are banged up and that whole thing, that was a good line too, but I might be drafting this Ravens one. That might be one of my draft picks. All right, uh, we'll be back next week with uh, who knows what will happen considering everything that's happened this week in the NFL. Anything personal for you next week? uh, We'll find out. Ooh, an Easter egg. Is that what they call it in the movies? An Easter egg. Ryan Hannibal will find something out next week on the Off Day Podcast. Like it. All right, uh, we'll talk to you next week.